Baseball Hall of Fame in um, Canton, Ohio. There's several of them in, in, in there. So they have all these names of people who have been famous in different sports or different things as well. And um, I think Tim, as a young man, went to... Uh, Pastor Tim went to the... Which one did you go to? Baseball. Baseball Hall of Fame with a friend. They did a kind of road trip with some other people. And... and um, I always think, though, that Hebrews chapter 11 shouldn't be called the Hall of Fame because it kind of makes it feel like, well, I'm not that good. I can never get there. I'm not, I'm, I've never got that much faith. And actually, Hebrews chapter 11 is designed to help us understand that we can be a person of faith. We can get there. We could have our names added in. So the Hall of Fame concept is a little bit, I mm, don't really care for it. This is the average man's fame story, or could be as well. So we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 35 through chapter 11, verse 2. And I think Marsha has it in the ESV, and um, I use various translations of, um, of the Bible, but I'm going to read it from the ESV, even though I'm working out of my NIV. Because the ESV, in this case, really does translate it a bit better than the NIV. And I'll do a little something with you and show you why as we go through. So, here it is. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come, and he will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. We'll look at, I'll read Hebrews 11 verses 1 and 2 from my Bible here. Now faith, so the last verse we read, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. And we're going to stop there because the ancients then follow. That's the older people from yesteryear. Now, just a couple of thoughts as we think about this idea of faith. Um, you understand faith, right? We're going to think about faith over the next several weeks. We're going to understand it. And let me just start off. Everybody in the world has faith. Everybody in the world has faith. Everybody in the world. Who has faith? Everybody. Everybody has faith. Right? What do Christians have faith in? Or who do Christians have faith in? Jesus. God. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, who do Muslims have faith in? Allah. That's God in their language, right? So we need to define between God and Jesus. Christians are called Christians, Christians, right? We trust Jesus. We trust the Christ, yeah? So God is, God can be very generic, can't it? The Americans even put it on their coin, in God we trust. Well, I'm not sure what it means sometimes, you know? So it's about who that God is, yeah? Who do secular humanists trust? You know what a secular humanist looks like? Sorry? Themselves, yeah, they do. Who does a modern scientist trust? Or what does a modern scientist trust? Oftentimes. Sorry? Science. So everybody trusts something or something, somebody. A system, a thought process. 
We all trust something. Let me ask you again. Who trusts something? Who believes in something? Everyone. It's the question of who do you believe in? Who do you have faith in? Who do you trust in? That's the real question. And a Christian is somebody who's stopped trusting what they used to trust and started trusting Jesus. That's called conversion. That's called becoming a Christian. That's conversion. Now, you'll notice I've already used three different words for this idea of trust, right? Or belief or faith. I've used believe. I've had faith. I've had trust. We could add confidence in there. And the reason I use those words, because in the Bible, they all translate one Greek word. So you'll find as we go through, and we'll do a little bit of a Bible study here as well, that there's a word in there, and some, and, and do you want to do a little Greek as well? I know a little Greek. He's about this to show you. The Greek word, the, na- the verb, is pistuo. Do you want to try it? Pistuo. Pistuo. And the noun is pistis. See how they sound the same? Pistuo, pistis. Yeah. So th- that word is translated as faith or belief or have confidence in, or trust. I was going to ask Tim to come up and help me with a little illustration, but Nathan, you can do. Would you come up with me just a minute? Nathan, how long have you known me? Uh, not long enough. Not long enough. Ooh. <laughs> not long enough. So I did this with Ash, just so you know. And Ash has trust issues. He'll tell you that straight away. But um, do you think, I mean, do you know my family a little bit? Have you been to my house? Do I, feel, do I seem like a person of reasonable intelligence and a human being who could be trusted? I uh, don't know what I trust you with. You don't like trust me? But some things, right? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, okay, you're getting to know me a little bit. That's good. Um, I, I wanted, I'm going to ask you to do something, okay. which is maybe a little scary. Yeah. But what I want you to do is, is, is hold your arms out like this, and I want you to fall backwards. And I promise you, on my son's life, that I will catch you as long as you stay in that position if you fall backwards. In case I don't see you, Tim, goodbye. Uh, Do you believe that I could do it? Uh, Do you believe I could do it? Yes. Will you trust me to do it? Sure. Do Do you understand the difference? Sometimes in the English language, we use the word believe differently than trust, don't we? He believes I could do it, but will he trust me to actually do it? And in Greek, it's the same word. Believe equals trust. Yeah? Should we give it a go? Yeah. You want to give it a go? Do you think I can do it? You don't think I can? Do you you think I will do it if I could? Okay. Okay. Fall backwards. Almost. Still got trust issues. Do you want to give it another go? Yeah. It's good to try trusting a little bit. Keep, Keep going again. I'll catch you. Oh, yes, you're heavier than I thought you might be. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Nathan. You, you see the difference between trust and believe in the English language? You believe something, it's just here. Trust means you actually put it into practice and do it. Yeah? And in the Bible, there's no difference. Pistis, pistuo means to trust, to have confidence and put it into action. Yeah, he has to believe that I have the ability to do it. He has to have the desire to do it himself. He has to know that I have the capacity to do it. I'm strong enough and that I'll actually catch him. So every time we see this word in the New Testament, faith or believe 
or I have confidence in or trust. You've got to think to yourself, it's not just here. I've got to choose to do something. I've got to use my will. I've got to do something. That's what trust is. Otherwise, it's just an intellectual belief. The Bible in the book of James says that the devil believes in God. Of course he does. He knows he exists. Yeah. We actually have to trust him. And so that's what this passage is about as we come to Hebrews chapter 11. It's about this idea of learning to trust. And Hebrews chapter 10, these verses we read, are a kind of summary of everything that's just happened in the book of Hebrews. And the writer to the Hebrew Christians, they're called Hebrews because they were male tea bags. Hebrews. No, (laughs) because they came out of a Jewish background. And so they came out of a Jewish background, and they've been taught that you could be right with God by doing good stuff. Right? That's what they were taught. And the writer of the Hebrews is saying to them, there's nothing wrong with doing right stuff, but that never makes you right with God. You can never do enough right stuff to outweigh the bad stuff you do. You need to trust what Jesus has done to make yourself right with God. And so the whole of the book of Hebrews is about doing that. And then it's also about learning to trust God in the present tense, not just for future hope, I'm going to go to heaven, but about the here and now as well. And so he's going to get to Hebrews chapter 11. He's going to take us through the Old Testament people, and he's going to say, look, this person had faith. This person trusted. This person had confidence. This person believed. And we can see their stories and how they did that. And all because they knew there was something further down the road yeah so it's a great opportunity for us to sort of dabble back in the old testament and see what those people were like tim said let's do a series in hebrews he said i'm just observing my own children they're such different personalities and yet they both trust jesus and that's the great news it doesn't matter a what your skin color is B, what your language is. C, where you came from or who your parents are. D, your personality. We can all learn to trust who? Jesus. Now, that's sort of my introductory comments. So, first thing is this. Faith, what we call this, this faith thing going on. Faith is really trusting. It's trusting. Trust, 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 trust. Yeah? Second thing. Faith is often misunderstood. Many people would agree with a little boy who says, faith is believing what you know isn't true. <laughs> that's, that's the common image, isn't it? People say, oh, you, you have faith. You, what they mean by that is you believe something that isn't true. The writer of the Hebrews is going to get to that. He's going to say, you've got you to trust that God made everything there is to make. Whereas modern day scientists say, nah, it's all a big bang. No, 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 no. It's believing what is true. Or they think the faith is the opposite of rational thought. Have you ever heard something? Well, I'm a scientist. I think logically. I've been trained to think we're Westerners. We, we're not irrational. We think. And a lot of people think that faith and thinking, or trusting and thinking, are two opposites. They can never be put together. It's not true. The person who has faith or trust has actually thought a great deal about all the stuff they see around them and they've come to the conclusion 
<laughs> the only thing to do is trust the one they can't see. Trust in the things which they don't understand necessarily just by seeing, feeling, feeling hearing and touching. Yeah. So faith is often misunderstood. And the last thing, as we'll see as we get to Hebrews chapter 11, is faith is better illustrated than explained. And I say that, and I'm going to do a little explanation. I'm doing the introduction to do some explaining, yeah, because we're going to talk it through. But we next several weeks, we're going to look at illustrations of what faith or trust actually look like in people's lives. And you're going to go, oh, this is interesting. I could be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I can actually learn to trust. I need to trust in this area of my life. It's important that I do that. Otherwise, I'll be not believing and not trusting. So faith is really trusting. Faith is often misunderstood. Faith is better illustrated than explained. You and I all know people who perhaps they have faith or trust in God, and we're inspired by them. But sometimes it's a little narrow. What we, we need to see that we can all have faith or trust in the Lord Jesus, and our lives can start to be different as a result. Our lives can start to be different, and we can make a difference for God in our worlds around us as well. So several things to start with, and Marsh is going to put up these, is faith or trust is I've got six or seven things, and you know these verses, you've probably read them, but just to remind us, faith is the condition of justification. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, if you've got a Bible, you can look at it. I think Marsha might put it on the screen. Um, if not, I'm going to look for it in my Bible as well. There we go. Therefore, since we have been justified by trust, confidence, faith, pistis, yeah, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been justified by trusting what Jesus did on the cross, is what Paul is saying here. So our justification, our being made right with God, is because we trust, we believe. How many good works can you do to make yourself right with God? None. How many bad things can you do that Jesus can't make it right so you can be made right with God. How bad do you have to be where God says, I can't do anything? You can't. There's no such thing as a bad thing which is unforgivable. Yeah? Well, there is one thing. It's not believing in Jesus. <laughs> There's that thing. Yeah? But everything else, everything else, Somebody ought to be saying hallelujah at this point. <laughs> I'm really glad about that, because some of you know my life wasn't very pretty at one point. Yeah. Next one uh, is, um, I need to tell you these, don't I? John chapter 6, verse 47. It's the faith is, or trust is, or having confidence in Jesus is, the way we receive everlasting life. Truly, truly, I said, Jesus said, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. When do we get eternal life? When do you get eternal life? When you die, right? When you start trusting or believing or having confidence in Jesus. That's when God gives you life, eternal life inside of you. Yeah? It's not something you wait for till you kick the bucket, till you die, till you're buried six feet under, till the push the daisies up. 
we've got lots of phrases for this, don't we? <laughs> Dying. Don't have to wait till you die to have eternal life. You have it the day you believe. It's a new quality of life. Next one is in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. How can you get to access to God? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. In whom, that's Jesus, we have confidence, sorry, boldness, and access with, what's that word? Confidence. Guess what word that is? Pistis. See the word in there? Confidence. Fideo is the Latin word for Faith, (laughs) confidence, with confidence, through our faith in him. So it double repeats it, yeah? How do you have have access to God? Through trusting Jesus. You can can always talk to... Do you need to go to the priest? No. Do you need a vicar in the way to sort of... That's what vicarious means. Vicar means get in the way. It's like, it's like a priest. Do you, do you need somebody or do you, can you go straight to him? Can you talk to God through Jesus directly? Hallelujah, right? We have access to God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. We're almost to Hebrews. Just a few verses. We'll look at Hebrews. Tim will look at Hebrews 11, verse 6 next week. But what's Hebrews 11, verse 6 say? You got it up there, Marsh? Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who earnestly please him. We're going to look at that verse to close because it's one of my favorite verses. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You want to please God, you've got to trust him. It's the only way. You can't do enough right stuff. You can't say sorry enough times. You can't do... Got to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Christianity is for everybody. That's why it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter what language you speak. You just have to trust Jesus. I love children. They are so trusting, aren't they? Yeah. They just trust. They're born to trust. And then we get old, guess what happens? We get skeptical and cynical. And can God really do that? Daddy, I did this wrong. Please will you forgive me? Of course I will, son. <laughs> what do you want God to do for you? I want him to do this. Can he do it? Of course he can do it. He's God. And then we get sophisticated. God can't do that. Simple trust. Yeah. So there's, trust is the only way to please God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 tells us something else about faith. Similar to the previous one, 1 John 5, verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God, yeah, we have his spirit inside of us, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. How do you overcome the world and the things in the world and the systems and the thought patterns of the world? How do you do it? By having faith, having confidence, trusting in who? Jesus. That word there, overcome, you know what that Greek word is? Anybody know? You're not allowed to say anything. You did Greek. It's the word Nike. Have you ever heard that before? Nike. Nike is a type of shoe, right? Nikes, it means overcomers, victory winners. <laughs> yeah? The Nikes, yeah. So it's, how do you overcome the world? Through faith. 
How can you get over some of those thought patterns which are in the world, which, are, which we're surrounded with, which we're bombarded with? How do you do it? Well, you have to trust that what Jesus taught us to do and to live is actually able to help you to overcome those things. So we trust his words, his thought patterns, his, his principles, and when we start to live by them, we overcome all that negative ways in the world which actually won't help us at all. Everything from the value of money to what the point of human society is, to how to raise your children, all those things have principles and concepts written for us, not to beat us down, but so that we can be overcomers. We can have the victory. Matthew 21, verse 22 is the next one. It is the key faith, or trusting in Jesus is the key to answered prayer. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. We need to have confidence that Jesus will do what we're asking in his ways and his will to do. You've got something which is impossible in your lives, so you, therefore you never pray about it, you never talk to God about it. Not believing, not trusting. You need to start talking to God about it. Some of you know the story, but we prayed for my sister as a family for oh, 20-some years to come back to Jesus. It, it took cancer terminal cancer to bring her back to Jesus we'd pray and we'd say Lord do whatever you need to do in my sister's life so she'll come back to you well it took cancer it took death she died in 2015 when she told us as a family that she had cancer I called her up and said can I pray for you and she said if it makes you feel good Andrew you can pray for me oh that hurt if it makes you feel good, you can pray for me. <laughs> she had no faith in that. And I'd call and I said, well, can I pray for you now? And she'd say, Andrew, if it makes you feel good, you can pray for me on the phone. And at one point, several iterations later, she said, Andrew, would you pray for me, please? <laughs> and then she said, Andrew... When you were a teenager, you used to have a, used to have a, a record. I, I was into music, you know. You used, to have, you used to have an album by somebody called The Second Chapter of Acts, which if you're old enough, you'll remember. Paul's nodding his head, oh, I remember. <laughs> and they did one called Psalm 61. Do you still have it? All those years ago, 30-some years ago, she remembered this song. She said, could you get it? I said, absolutely, I'll get it for you. And she started to trust Jesus again. We'd been praying, praying, praying. Myself, my wife, my parents, my brother, others who knew her as well. We'd been praying, praying, praying. And she's coming back to the Lord. And she's getting sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. And eventually she dies in the hospital. I did the funeral service for her. And all her friends came. All those non-Christian friends from the betting shop where she worked. Yeah, different crowd than what I was used to. Well, I have to go back 30 years as well to get to that crowd again, yeah? And they said to me, your sister changed, Andrew. <laughs> and after hearing the message you preached, now we know why. Your sister changed, Andrew. 
she came back to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We were praying impossible things. It was the answer to prayer. We wanted her to come back to the Lord. We prayed she'd come back to the Lord. It took cancer to bring her back to the Lord. Faith, trust in Jesus, gets you answers to prayer. That's why as a church, it's one of our top, number one, I think, Tim, our top priority is to pray, to pray, to pray, to pray. Yeah? It's key to answer prayer. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we read it. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It is, if you will, the title deed to everything that God has promised us. <laughs> being sure of what we have not seen and certain of what we do not see. Hope for what is certain and sure of what we do not see. Everything God has for us is by faith. When we get it, when you get a new body, when you see all your friends and your relatives who've trusted Jesus again, will you need faith anymore? Nope. It'll be faith and hope come into reality. Oh, glorious day, right? Oh, glorious day. And when you're old and the body starts to wear down like Paul's is doing so. <laughs> I can say that because he's just a few years older than I am, you know? He is so excited about his new body, it's not funny. <sighs> glorious day. We're going to get new bodies. We're going to be with friends. It's, we're going to get a world without sin, where there's no more pain, where there's no more crying, the scripture teaches us. Because we trust in Jesus, the one who's accomplished it and will accomplish it in the future. Now, let's just look at a couple of ideas from this passage as we go through this passage. I, I got eight pages of notes here, and that's only the first page. I... I you could go home now, but it, this passage in chapter 10 is actually really fascinating. It, it took me a long time to work through it, to understand what it meant. It is kind of a bit of a hard passage in some ways. So verse 35 of chapter 10, do not throw away your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. Do not throw away your confidence, for it will be richly rewarded. You know, confidence, there's that word, do not throw away your confidence, your faith, your trust, your belief. Don't throw it away. He's saying to those Christians, don't, don't get rid of it. If you wait long enough, it will be rewarded, he says. Yeah. I have friends who, who, and I believe that God heals in the present tense. As a church, we practice what we call from James chapter 5, praying for the sick and anointing with oil. Yeah, it's something the function of the elders do, that's what it says. Anointing with oil. And we, we ask people, what would you like us to pray for? Because right? we want to pray with what they believe God touched, so we, and then we anoint with them oil. I believe that God heals. I have some friends who believe that God always heals. And if he doesn't, that means that you've got to wait to get to heaven and be healed. <laughs> yeah, which is always, to me, a bit of a, a way out. But the reality is, is that we will be fully rewarded when Christ comes. Verse 36, it says this, You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you receive what he has promised. Yeah. Christ is coming when he does. He has already come. He came 2,000 years ago. And he's coming in the future. And when he comes, everything will be made right. So don't toss out your faith. <laughs> don't pitch it. I'm always so sad when I hear people say, uh, my brother or my sister or my friend, they used to trust Jesus, but now they, they don't. 
No, they don't. And we need to pray that God will work in them again. We need to pray that he'll do the same work which he did the first time round. Because true faith will result in confidence all the way through. And in the same way that my sister, she remembered the stuff from her childhood. So she could come back to it. That's what we need to pray for people. Persevere, he says, in, in faith. It, it's interesting here. He says, it will be richly rewarded. You, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that you've done the will of God. You receive what he has promised. All the way through the book of Hebrews, this word promise is there. It's in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. It's in 6, verse 12. It's in 13, 15, 17, chapter 9, verse 15, 10, verse 23. And this passage is kind of a summary of the whole of the book of Hebrews. Hey, continue in faith, he says. Your faith, your trust in Jesus will be rewarded. You'll get the promise. <laughs> you will get the promise. Persevere. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found fallen short of it. 4 verse 1. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Chapter 6 verse 12 through 17, he continues, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one, promise, 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 promise. God has made promises to you and to me that he will bring to fruition we just need to continue in our faith. There's the ultimate one that will be with him. And sometimes there's this present tense. We can get stuff in the here and now as a little foretaste of what is to come in the future. Faith is not just this thing which we get when we all die. It's, it's for next week. It's for five weeks' time. It's for my sister who we believed and prayed she would return to Jesus. It's an active current thing that goes on the tradition of church which i come from in the evangelical tradition we used to talk about praying things through paul's grinning because he remembers the phrase as well but it's this idea that i start to pray for something and i keep talking to the lord about it and and at some point i get to the place where i go the lord has heard i have confidence in what he's going to do and I don't have to pray anymore. It's the idea. It's in such a place where I can get to the place where I don't, because I brought to the Lord, and I, I have a sense that he's going to answer. It's present tense. It's confidence. Because promise is there. Think about Abraham just a moment. We'll look at him later on. But Abraham, he had a promise, right? What was the promise? You'll have a child. He's going, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me, man. I'm 99 and my wife's 99 or I'm 110 or whatever it was and my wife's 99. There ain't any more eggs left is what we'd say. Uh, who's the mother who's had the most? How many babies has the mother had in... 69 babies, right? <laughs> Sarah hadn't had any. Sarah hadn't had any. And she gets to the end and she gets one because there was one left. And that's what God had for her. For those who weren't at the ladies, what do you call that thing? Baby shower. That was one of the questions that Anne posed. <laughs> the second thing about this promise is that it's rest. God promises us rest. 
Now, he promises us rest in two different ways. He promises us rest so we don't have to keep working for our salvation. <laughs> keep doing enough good stuff. <laughs> keep running hard enough. <laughs> keep being nice to enough people I don't want to be nice to. <laughs> God says, no, 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 you can rest from that because Jesus did it all. There's that kind of rest. But there's also the rest of life. I can have peace. I can have rest in my soul now. Present tense. I don't have to worry about the things that are going to happen next week, two weeks' time, three weeks' time, next year. What happens when my children get to be teenagers? <gasps> you can have rest because you know that God will take care of you and yours because you trust him. There's present tense rest as well. And that's the promise, that we'll get rest ultimately, and we can have rest in our souls now. If you've got trouble and strife in your life, whether it came because of your personality, whether it came because of stuff people did to you, there's two sorts of stuff, isn't there? There's the stuff you've done, and there's the stuff that people have done to you. Yeah, stuff usually means sin, right? There's the sin you've done, and there's the sin people have done to you. And they all cause trouble and strife in ourself. God says, trust me, trust Jesus. You can have rest from that. So you can have peace now. Don't matter what you've done. Don't matter the stuff done to you. Ultimately, you can be right with God, with him forever. And in the present tense, in the here and now, you can know his rest, his peace. That's what the promise is. The promise is rest. Let me skip just forward to point number two. Trust is rewarded because it is the great principle of God. In these verses, he quotes from the book of Habakkuk. He says, this is what he says in Habakkuk. He who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And that principle is repeated in the book of Romans, chapter 1, and in Galatians, chapter 3, and here in Hebrews. You see, the great God has always worked by people learning to trust him. It's never been any other way, he says. It's always been that way. It's in Habakkuk, it's in Romans, it's in Galatians, it's in Hebrews. God has, it's the great principle. Anything else, trusting other gods, doesn't work. Trust in self doesn't work. Trust in other human philosophies doesn't work. God says, trusting me, the creator of the universe, the one who gives life, the one who's going to finish everything, trusting me, and especially my son Jesus, who's the exact representation of me, is the key. That's always been the great principle. And that's why the writers of the Hebrews can go back and then look in chapter 11 at all those people. And some of them are interesting characters. We get to Rahab. Whew, what a great story. Rahab the prostitute. Not even a Jew. Oh, I like her story. Gives me hope. Not that I was a prostitute. <laughs> The great principle is always, trust me, says God. Trust my words, trust my character, and ultimately for us as Christians, trust Jesus. He's the exact representation of what I'm exactly like. It says in Hebrews chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, 
The stories of him. He's the one who forgives sins. He is the one who has power over life and death and sickness and the waves. And oh, It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's who? Jesus. Jesus has come and will indeed come again. He's returning. That's why it says in chapter 9, verse 11 and verse 28, he will appear a second time. He will appear a second time. He's coming on the clouds for those who've trusted him from the first time he came. The righteous will live by faith, it says, three times in scripture. I won't read all the passages. Verse 38, it says this. If he shrinks back, I'll not be pleased with him. It's interesting. We got the ESV on verse My righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul. God says, my soul will not be pleased in him. The NIV has says, I will not be pleased. But it's a, it's a happy little play on words in the Greek language. Because he says, my soul will not be pleased with him, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are being saved, or to the, it says, the saving of our souls, in the next verse as well. You got the next verse there, Marsh? Preserve their souls. You see? See, God says, if you shrink back, <laughs> you're not making me happy. My soul's not happy with you. But if you don't shrink back, if you keep persevering, if you keep trusting, oh, you'll, you'll preserve your souls. It's not the idea of saving like first salvation. It's the idea of keeping what you've already got, preserving it. A cost of living crisis, the great tragedy is it erodes wealth. <laughs> Inflation takes stuff away from you. So how do you preserve it? Well, he's talking about preserving what you've got. Preserving your soul. So there's a little play on words. My soul's not happy, but if you keep going, oh, you'll, say, you'll preserve your souls, he says. You'll, you'll, you'll keep it safe in that way. I'll not be pleased with them. Friends, can I get to chapter 11? And all these people in their circumstances, and we read their lives, and it wasn't always continuous faith. Sometimes it was, <laughs> made a couple of errors along the way. But they did persevere. And we'll read the stories. Yeah? They persevered. They kept going. And they, pres- they had faith in God, faith in his words. Ultimately, if Jesus had been born, they would have had faith in Jesus. So faith in the promise that Jesus was coming, if you will. Verses 39 through 11, verse 2. Faith, if you will, is what enables us to know God. Trusting Jesus enables you to know God. We believe and we're saved. It's got this present tense thing to it. You can enjoy eternal life now, and we, we start to enjoy God in the present tense. It's not just a future thing. It comes back to us now. Can I just ask you a simple question? Are you enjoying Jesus? Are you enjoying Jesus? It happens by trusting him. The only way to enjoy Jesus is to trust him. We see the definition in chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. We're hopeful and we're certain of what we do not see. Yeah, Nathan's standing here. Intellectually, he's going, yeah, I met this guy. I know his family a little bit. I've been to his home. It seems reasonable. He's got some muscles, enough probably to catch me. I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. 
he falls backwards. He started to be certain that what I asked him to do would come to pass. So he did it. That's faith. How many questions did you have, Anne? 16. And what was the highest score? Six. Six? You mean all those mothers out there, they didn't know all that stuff about babies? <laughs> Not a thing. How much do you have to know about babies in order to have them? Well, <laughs> don't answer this is a public service, but <laughs> how much stuff do you have to know about babies so they sort of grow and become adults? A bit more, perhaps. But to go from being a newborn to being two years old, how much do you actually have to know about what actually happens? Not a lot. Those 300 bones all happen to go into place, right? Their vision goes from 14 to 18 inches to 24 to 36, and then you get old and the long distance goes again, you know? All these interesting facts about babies, you don't actually have to know any of them in order to have a baby and it for it to grow naturally. You just have to trust that God knows what's going to happen. He's put it in there. Right? You just have to trust God that he designed humans, formed them in the womb, and it's going to come to pass. Because he's got it all handed out together. And we learn to trust. And we say, God, I don't have to worry about that. He'll take care of it. Because we're trusting him. And that's true in the Christian life as well. I, I do want to wrap up as we, as we move ahead. And I want to look in Hebrews chapter 11 and the verse 6, and I think Tim's going to look at it next week as well, but bear with me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without trust or faith or believing or confidence, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You see... The first thing about trusting God or trusting Jesus is you've got to believe that he's there. You can't see him, but you've got to believe that he's there. And actually, that's quite logical. How else do you account for everything? You can believe a man-made theory that all came from a big bang, and it's not very scientific, because you can't reproduce it. It's not checkable. It's somebody's head thing. It only started 200 years ago anyway. Huh? Or you can believe what the scriptures say. Trust God that he says, I made the stuff. You've got to believe that he is. He's not an it. Yeah, remember that movie Star Wars? It was really popular when I was a child. And then when Tim came along, it got to be popular all over again. I think it was Tim's fault. You know, Star Wars. and you got What's that thing which makes everything work in Star Wars? The Force. May it be with you. And the force can be used by the bad people, and the force can be used by the good people. Right? So Darth Vader's in touch with the force. Let the force be with you, they say to whatever it is who's in the, you know, he can use the force for good things. A lot of people think God's like that. It's kind of a force. Right? But God is not a force. He has power, he is a force, but he is not an it. Nathan, you fell backwards. What, was your fear? what could be your fear? Gravity, right? <laughs> Gravity is a force on this earth. Yeah. Gravity is a force. 9.8 meters per second squared is the numeric... 81 seconds per square, which is the number given to account for gravity. Yeah? And, and gra- it, it, it just does its thing. 
forces just operate. I'm going to fall backwards. What's going to happen to me? But I believe the force will catch me. Isn't it enough? Is there a thing called gravity? It will catch me, right? It will catch me on the floor. <laughs> One immovable object. <laughs> it will catch me. The force has no feelings. It can't think. It, it, it's a principle. It just does what it was created for. It needs a person. He exists. God exists. He's got a personality. You must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So when you start to look for God... God promises, I can be found. I use this word, knowable. God is knowable. You can know what he's like. Marsha will tell you when she first met me, she thought I was, well, never mind what she thought I was like. <laughs> I probably was. But she said, Andrew, you, you stuck out from some of the other fellows because you wanted to know Jesus. You wanted to know Jesus. And I did. I didn't know much about him. A lot of ideas which are completely wrong, whatever else. But I wanted to know him. He will earnestly seek him. You see, he's, he's knowable. So you've got to say, yes, he exists. He's a he, he's not an it. And there's not ten of them. He's not all the Hindu gods. And it's not like the Muslim god who cannot be known. Allah, that's their name for the creator. It's the same as the word English, God, actually. But he's unknowable in their system. Yeah? The Christian God, through Jesus, can be known by you and me personally. And if you've never done that, and I suspect that most of you have, you can say to him very simply, God, I believe you're out there. I really don't know you, but I want to. Please reveal yourself to me. In Jesus. And if you want to know a little bit more, you say, and forgive me for some of the stuff I've done. And take my fear away. And give me some strength to overcome all the bad habits I have in my life. And we can go on from there. But it starts with that thing there. And it starts because you're trusting that he's there. You're believing that he's there. And you're trusting and believing that he wants to be known by you. Hallelujah, right? Hallelujah. Let's pray together.